0: Filmmaker Robert Rodriguez joins us today on a very special episode of Raiders of the Lost podcast. It was so much fun to actually meet Robert Rodriguez, tour his huge studio. In Austin, Texas, and actually sit down and have a really cool 20-minute conversation with him about filmmaking and his upcoming movie, Hypnotic. We're so excited because we got invited down to Austin, Texas. He has his own movie studio. It is massive. It's called Troublemaker Studios. He films everything he makes there. He shot Sin City in its entirety there on his massive green screen lot. He shot Alita Battle Angel. He's got huge empty streets and neighborhoods from that filming, and also they make all their own props, sets. So it was so cool to pick his brain about his production, about him and his sons, how they work together, especially on this new film, Hypnotic. And it was just really surreal to sit across from a director whose films we've been watching for years. And Rodriguez has always been this kind of card director from day one. I mean, his first film, El, El Mariachi, he made for six grand with his friends, and it got some awards at Sundance, and that got him the funding for Desperado, and then he did Once Upon a Time in, Me- in Mexico. But he's always done his own thing, and what's always made him special is that he's avoided Hollywood, he's avoided the studio system, and he's made his films on his terms, no matter what movie you're talking about. And we learned a lot about, I mean, especially Sin City, uh, they were telling us that he just made this pitch to Frank Miller, he shot the first scene on his own with Josh Hartnett and the actress at his studio, and then just kind of like forced a meeting with Frank Miller in a way to show him that opening scene and then he made a a fake trailer that he cut together and he put Bruce Willis's name in the Sin City trailer and then he ran into, accidentally, quotation marks, ran into Bruce Willis at the gym and showed him on his laptop this trailer with Bruce Willis's name in it and that got Bruce Willis to be like, yeah, sign me up, I'm going to do this movie. So he's always done this thing where he does things his own way, he doesn't listen to anyone and there's there's something really special about that and you can't help but deny that He could be the ultimate independent filmmaker, especially to this point where, like you said, a studio troublemaker studios, it is 100% its own self-contained studio. They do everything from making props to costume production design to any editing or visual effects adr recording they shoot the movie posters there so it's really fantastic what he has set up and without further ado let's get into this interview with robert rodriguez then we'll continue more of all that fun stuff after the interview but let's get to it and just a heads up so it's robert rodriguez as well as his son's rebel and racer they had some labs we had a boom mic so the audio is a little different for us versus them but you can hear everything fine and we really hope you enjoy this interview we got to do with robert rodriguez at troublemaker studios Mm-hmm. You had a great time watching it oh, man, at great. Trollmaker Studios in your theater. Wow. Thanks so much for the invite. It's terrific. Absolutely. i oh, so welcome. glad you can make it. Mm-hmm. So our first question, we know Ben Affleck is an accomplished director. Is there a difference working with an actor who knows production so well in terms of your explaining what kind of lens you're using, what kind of shot you're setting up?
1: Definitely. And it's not even mm-hmm. that you have to get into such specifics. It's more like if I'm filming him and I'm like, God, can you you just throw me that line two different ways just i'm gonna change it he's like gotcha you know he's been (laughs) on that side he just knows what it takes to get something done especially on a clock where you just didn't have a lot of time so helpful you know sometimes an actor go, but why do i have to put my hand there It does not feel natural he's like i got it from that angle it it probably looks weird right i'll do that you know they just it's just a, a godsend and i've worked with many actors that are directors and it's just the best
0: and so yesterday, you were talking about Alfred Hitchcock and how it was kind of like an influence of, like, I want to make, like, the next, like, in his line of single-name <laughs> movies. And so can you talk about the inspiration of Hitchcock on this film in particular, in your career, and, like, maybe the green light from Vertigo, is that kind of a reference, or are there references to Hitchcock films?
1: Um, it wasn't a direct reference, but now that you mentioned it, yeah, that green light was yeah. an unusual one. Uh, it was an LED light, so we were trying early on. Uh, I wanted to just give that thing more color because it was an underground facility. He had lots of colors going on. Say said, we can play with color in this scene. Other scenes are a little more just, they have to be real for real. Here we can go a little crazy. We went a little crazy with it. <laughs> definitely, some of my favorite Hitchcock type shots are in that scissor scene. And it feels very much like a Hitchcock scene. It's all $2 tricks, you know. Well, you got scissors in your hand that you don't have in your hand. And you're like, hey, what? So on the editing it'll make sense. But uh, I definitely just wanted lots of twists, something that was star driven, like. Kitchcock would do, he would always have Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart or you know, Sean Connery or somebody headlining his movie. Big ideas, bigger than the budget that you have. So if you have a, a medium-sized budget or a small budget, have your idea be bigger than your budget so that the audience can just dream about this idea that you've created and go like, wow, hypnotics could be everywhere. You know? <laughs> so that if you did get a big budget, great. But if you don't, the idea is just really big. So Hitchcock just had big ideas and big set pieces. He would like reverse engineer a movie from, I want to chase on the top of the Mount Rushmore.
0: <laughs> and I want at the UN building a murder to yeah. happen.
1: And I want, you know, he, and then he would figure out a script from there.
0: Yeah, I just saw so, The Birds the other day. I'm like still trying to figure out how he did the visual effects back in right? 63 Yeah, that yeah, movie. Yeah. It's paintings, yeah. like A
1: lot of matte paintings, you know, yeah. some, some miniatures
2: incredible and then the
1: rest just two dollar tricks yeah. which we did a lot of here a lot of just sleight no. of hand a lot of craftsmanship in that that's what I was looking forward to doing keeping that aspect to it not just you know getting the money hose and trying to wash your problems <laughs> away use use the creativity to, to solve those challenges
0: and we're actually yeah. learning that ourselves we just made our first short yeah, film yeah, and yeah, a few months yeah. ago. Yeah, so really? It's oh, great. That's that's great. Amazing. That's that's great. great. Uh-huh. learned yeah. so oh much. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just submitting it to festivals it. right now. Do you have any advice for young filmmakers? Or if oh, there wonderful. are people who maybe they think, I can't make a movie. I don't live in Hollywood. What's your advice? For stay them? home. Yeah. I stayed <laughs> home.
1: Look what I built. I have something bigger than they have in Hollywood. No one's got their own studio know, in Hollywood. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Stay home. Do it. Build up your film community around you. Our community has just grown out of control over the years. And it just feels so much better that you can just do it at home. You can do that now. And, um, and you can just get it seen now from anywhere. So you don't have to be in Hollywood. In fact, the mindset, when I'd go to Hollywood, I would just see people everywhere are in the business. They're just talking about the projects they'll never make. <laughs> like, I'm going to go back home and go work on the three projects I got going right <laughs> You just go home and just make your stuff and just keep making more. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready, people sometimes, they'll say, well, hearing you talk, I'm really inspired, but you know, I kind of got a project that's almost ready to go. Actually, all the elements are pretty much there. So, I don't think I'm ready yet. Like, life and art should be the same. You're not ready for life. You know, you came down here. Your flight wasn't canceled, luckily, but it could have been. <laughs> you, know, you don't know what's going to happen. You always have to roll with it, right? Yeah. How come art has to be different? How come you have to be ready for, for art? You shouldn't be. You should just jump in, you're ready to go. I think you're submitting to festivals. You already start making your next short. Don't even wait for the results of that. Nothing feels better than when you're like, right now we're finishing Spy Kids and it's like, oh, we gotta go to Cannes for hypnotic. (laughs) That's a good one. You have multiple things going on. You don't put all your eggs in one basket and you learn so much on each one. So if you're not ready, just start because you'll get ready, right? You felt more ready by the end of that project than you did when you started. It was great. As as you're doing (laughs) it is Uh when Uh you get ready, you start figuring it out only as you're doing it. You can't pre-see the stuff that's gonna happen. You have no way of predicting that you have to just jump in the deep end. Like I told him when he was gonna write his first score, It's like, it's all right, She'll throw you in the deep end, you get a lung full of water, we'll fish you out. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, is that what it's gonna be like? And it was. Yeah. <laughs> that's all the only right. way to learn. <laughs> yeah.
0: The score was great, by the way. We're, oh, we're big so film score listeners. Who oh, were some oh, of wow, your inspirations.
2: Great. And what was like your motivation artistically, creatively for the sound of this yeah. movie that you're going okay. for? Yeah, so, um, my first feature film score that I did was Red Eleven, a little seven thousand dollar movie, and that was all synth based. It was like John Carpenter-esque, just kind of pulses and stuff like that, um, just keep it driving. And then uh, we did We Can Be Heroes afterwards, and that was like superhero epic, all orchestral music, you know. It was so they're completely different, and so I knew for this one, I was like, I want to do synth and orchestra, you know, hybrid, hybridize it a little bit. And uh, yeah, the inspiration of it was really I wanted like, you know, he the moment he told me, you know, Hitchcock based. I always kind of knew that okay it's got kind of like vertigo and like psycho i always loved how it kind of told the whole story in that intro you know the whole the intro songs they have tells you kind of the idea of it all and uh so i knew it had to have like a head spinning sort of thing to it Not herman yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and so that kind of vertigo-esque sound but with synth instead it would be really cool and uh it was in the talks a lot throughout when we were first coming up with it but repeating sounds a lot of repeating sounds like as if you're you know we got the watch kind of moving in front of you, the hypnotic sort of thing to lull you into it and we even ended up planning it where some parts you know she's tapping the pen and the music's right in line with it if you pay attention so just the whole thing's lulling you in and you don't even realize it so it kind of has that hypnotic aspect to it i want to watch it again (laughs) (laughs) it's it's
3: a benefit of all of us getting to work together and you know usually the composer doesn't come out until the end of the project Mm -hmm. but (laughs) as we're writing it we already get to sit down with him and go look we're Here's where we're thinking of having music sync up to these actions, and so we get to talk of, oh, do this instead, so we can have that sync up, and then the pen, and then the bar, the the cell cage bars, and all that. I love that. So it's really fun. So in a way, he's years
1: ahead of any other composer because (laughs) he's in there from the inception of it, and Mm -hmm. you know we're riding it out, and he's already playing music, and then we're hearing that as we film, and then he sees the first like big heist scene at the beginning and realizes, oh, okay, the swirling stuffs not going to work here. This is going to be something to connect. All these scenes together with drill, drive, and yeah. propulsion, and that's where the secondary theme comes in. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely, definitely a big part of making scores is knowing you kind of have to figure out which scene is going to be the keystone that really opens it up and creates the, the ideas you generate there. Kind of fill out the rest of the score and give it life. That was one of those scenes. It was like. I wrote the th- the main theme, which is that swirling kind of sound of it. it really started that a year before we even started filming. It was right when they were telling me about it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And it you know, gave me that idea of that kind of interesting hypnotic feel. but. That scene especially was like, yeah, it's not really working there. There's like a driving. There's got to be something that just pushes this movie. And that really elevated it. Because, I mean, you see how it's even edited and it moves the pace. You're not hitting these turns a little by these twists a little. It's slowly. I mean, it, the movie's driving and you. You're just getting whacked left and right. And it's just, it moves. So you're first you're not editing was, it with a temp track. Yeah. You're using his yeah. music while you're editing Yeah, editing with a temp he track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. track. He sent me some stuff that I thought, this works great. I wasn't, pre- <laughs> I, I wasn't predicting it. He told me he was going to, you know
0: What that's like, we love the family business aspect because our dad is a small business owner and we have four brothers. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, so we've all worked for him.
2: This not movies, they sell (laughs) (laughs) tombstones. You love
0: the family business aspect. (laughs) What's it like? Like, is it just like fantastic collaborating and artistically? Like, the dream (laughs) you're
1: just having there was never any separation between work and play. You know, I always kind of pioneered working at home back in the day, not only was I (laughs) the only movie in the Sony lot editing digitally, back on Desperado in 94, I was editing out of my house. Even Jim Cameron came over and said, you're editing, here you have an Avid in your living room. Said, yeah, look, I'm editing Desperado, Dust Till in four rooms all at the same time myself. And he said, I'm gonna do that. I'm, I'm tired of working with editors. I'm gonna tear it all my house. I'm gonna put it in an Avid. I'm gonna cut my next movie. And he got an Oscar for editing uh titanic <laughs> but it was like i was editing out of the house working out of the house because i wanted to be home with my family i yeah. didn't want to go work i didn't want to have a job <laughs> i always felt like drawing cartoons and making my movies was always a home endeavor i liked make being creative at home that's where the ideas were so this is an extension of my home i left 10 minutes from here yeah. and so i just thought i don't want to have to go to l.a and then go work i'm an artist i want to just make art if i can make a living at it, even better. But I'm gonna make it anyway. I'm gonna be doing it anyway, this is what I love to do.
0: Speaking so, of the scrum, sorry. Oh no, just having us yeah. all
1: working on it from the
0: beginning. Mm-hmm.
1: It's easy to work with them because all the all the time when we we're, were growing up, we'd be making drawings, making each other laugh. Mm-hmm. And some of that stuff would get into the movies. And the stuff that wasn't just kept as our personal, you know, home movies and home stuff. And they they didn't ever know what stuff was actually gonna show up in a film <laughs> <or 12. laughs> yeah. So then when we do it with real purpose, it's just a blast. It's like, it really is like a family business. My favorite restaurant when I was in high school was this family-run restaurant where it was called Rolando's Super Taco. Rolando, yeah, Rolando was at the front with his wife working the store. His daughter was one of the waitresses. one of the sons was one of the waitresses and the manager. Someone was in the back cooking, someone was sweeping the floor. You could tell they were there forever because it's their restaurant. They all worked there with pride. And it's like, that. this is the, my version of that. Yeah.
0: Speaking mm-hmm. of the script, and so when the writing process for Hypnotics specifically, who, like you said, who has their own movie studio, <laughs> how much did having your studio affect the script with the writing? Because you're using to your advantage every all the space, plus the false walls and the locations mm-hmm. to like have those dream reality sequences. Like, did that help the script so much?
3: Yeah, big. Well, initially, we you know we thought we would be filming in LA, or because of COVID, it uh, really pushed how we could make this film, and we wouldn't be able to film it in Austin. So had to push it to LA and then to Canada at one point. So we didn't know what we would get to use. And we had to just keep adapting the writing together uh, until that point. But then as with each COVID shutdown, you know, you lose part of the budget because the movie is pre-sold. And uh, by the time it comes back to Austin, we go, well, shoot, we have something we can use. We got the city we know really well. We got these rooms we know really well. We got this back lot we know really well. So we had adapted the script a lot to, what we got, which yeah. is one of those It's nice not seeing in L- L.A. in every
1: movie. Yeah. Oh, it's great, yeah. It's yeah. And then this place has changed so much. I've yeah. been shooting here, you know, over 20 years. And the city's grown so much, <laughs> then we go out there, and it's a whole different city to explore now. <laughs> I can shoot this for another 20 years and never see the same location twice.
0: Was there a Desperado reference, the pissing on the bartender? Was yeah, there a reference? Yeah, yeah. to the yeah.
1: Desperado.
2: <laughs> I yeah. thought so, yeah. So there's some,
1: some things that you hear, like that one, mm-hmm or see from other movies, and you go, I think I've seen or heard that before. And those are all clues about, you know, that you're in a hypnotic construct, because it's all about filmmaking in a way. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be, feel like, this is what we do as storytellers. We're we're just sitting here talking, but when you look, there's, oh, there's a guy in a camera, and (laughs) there's someone over there watching a monitor, and someone's monitoring the sound. It's all artifice. And I thought, you know, audiences pay money to go sit in a theater and have a hypnotic construct put around them. So they believe the story long enough to believe in it, laugh in it, cry, cheer. But they know they're actors, they know their lines. But if the the filmmaker does it well enough, they believe it's real enough for the moment it lasts. So I wanted the movie to feel like that very meta, <laughs> behind the scenes, behind the scenes, pulling the layers back. <laughs> and, and you're like, oh wow, I just did this to myself. And they did it to me.
0: <laughs> and you oh, came up with sorry. the idea 20 years ago. Yeah. And so how does it feel to like, work on it with your sons and story and build it together and finally, 20 years later, have it come yeah. to fruition. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy, you know, being
3: five years old when he first came up with it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, go over to the ears, hear whispers of this
1: project, you know,
3: hypnotic, that's a
1: cool idea, that's a cool name.
3: Someday, someday, <laughs> it's a movie, we'll make it someday. Like, he never
1: gave up on it, like. Didn't wow. know they'd go from crawling, to running, to walking, to
2: then writing. forging with me on it.
1: And <laughs> 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 it would take Absolutely. that long that I saw, him,
2: sure. saw him
1: morph into my
2: cast no. and crew. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, all through our childhood, we just kept hearing about it, it just, like, grew to this myth difficult status because we didn't know what it was about we just kind of had like a little inkling of it and the word really kind of stuck with you it's like hypnotic what is it and it stuck with us all the time so when they you know i don't know what it was like when you you guys first start working on it but when when they brought it to me and they're like hey we're making it happen i was like really <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. well i want to read it what is it about like it's just so finally, we, yeah we still working yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. on worry yeah. uh,
0: the coloring really. of the film red's a very important color that you see in this film mm-hmm. throughout the entire course of the mm-hmm. film and did you was that clear in your mind using I just that love color reds and, yeah
1: uh, you know i quentin still has some old I.B. technicolor prints where the reds this Process called Technicolor back in the day. The reds were super saturated. And even if you're lazy about lighting, just put someone in a red dress and just psh, hit them with a light, and it just <laughs> glows off the screen like film prints can't capture. Or that's why James Dean has a, that red jacket, because it was shot in Technicolor instead of black and white, switched. Um, so I always try to get that old, because I've seen it in real prints, and it's just stunning and mm-hmm. unbelievable. So I've always tried to capture that. And I, I like red as a standout. Color. You actually have to mute it. Like if we were to film this building and you see the exit's red, it draws your eye. So I always desaturate reds that you don't want or oranges, like cones, in the you know, those emergency mm-hmm. cones. They draw your eye right away, so you yeah. always have to desaturate them, which you can do now with digital color timing. You can isolate certain colors. But when you want it to pop a dominant color, really red is a very strong color. That's why in Sin City, even, I kept a lot of reds. Even blood, it would just, in black and white, just look like mud, and then you would have it pop this red color and it just it looks like 3D almost. Powerful.
2: The stunts in this movie
0: were great too. I don't know. We're game hopping game. on the motorcycle <laughs> and I'm like, what was your favorite stunt that you guys got to film? Ooh,
3: definitely there's a moment where uh someone has to hit the windshield.
2: I was gonna over say that's
3: right. the We use that van and you know you film scenes out of order. We had already used that in the scene that it's supposed to be in later in the film. And so we know the windshield was intact when we filmed that later scene, right? So when we hit, tell him, okay, you got to hit the windshield. Just don't damage it too much, because we already saw that it was fixed. It was the first yeah, take. The first he day. goes, or some <laughs> guy jumps, leaves super excited, hits a spiderwebs across the whole glass, and we go, oh, gosh, should we redo it? Uh, should we get another windshield in or something? But seeing Ben's face through the glass, and we use a shot of it later. Seeing Ben's face through that spiderweb glass, like, God, he looks like a monster in there. <laughs> it's a moment, p- p- turning point for the whole movie. Yeah. So he thought, ah, we'll
0: just fix the glass later. Yeah, we'll, just, yeah, just, <laughs> we'll just CG it later. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you only good. had a handful of visual effects shots, but they looked fantastic. Oh, great. Did yeah. you learn a lot you, um, from Alita, especially, in that you brought into this, or? I mean, yeah, you've always been pioneering. Been. Yeah, yeah, i always started uh, to
1: in VFX yeah. and, and yeah. Um, didn't want to have too many visual effects. I wanted a lot of it to be kind of sleight of hand. But yeah, a few times you just have to, you have to bring him out because he's seeing things that aren't real and you want to go more heightened. But I didn't want to rely on it too much. Some movies can really pull it off really well whether you're just constantly seeing visual effects. We knew we wouldn't have that kind of time or that kind of budget, so it was being more selective. And that's what Hitchcock would do. He would save his money shots for a few big shots and then the rest he would just use tricks and trickery. So my favorite were the non-effect effect shots. Those were just like the most fun. Where it's <laughs> just like really, you just do it by. It's just edit. It's just an edit trick, and you're just like, oh, did I just see something? I'm seeing things, because you're not expecting it.
0: And you guys, since you film so much here in your studio, are you building props and obviously sets and like how much of it would you say you're constructing yourself? What, are you using three D printers and stuff like that at all? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of um, the stuff
1: you'll they'll show you our up. archive. Mm-hmm. Every prop we make, we keep the molds. We make copies, so that we can always call them up. We have a whole arsenal of stuff. We have tons of, just over the years, every costume we've ever made. So we have stock for when we need doctors or nurses or cops or anything, we just pull them. And we just got all that stuff. So we can just utilize a lot of it, or we 3D print new things, mold it, keep it, keep the mold. So we can just call that stuff up. So a lot of the stuff we can just pull out of our arsenal of things already made. We have real ones, fake ones, rubber ones, prop ones, you know, all (laughs) kinds of versions of everything. So it's really, it's really fun that
0: It's impressive, but we're out of time yeah. But thank you for your time. Sure, job. man, glad you guys mm-hmm. could make it down. Yeah, Congrats to you it. guys. Yeah. Keep making it. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, Keep it. Yeah. That's yeah. where that's I started. So awesome. I started with
1: just the short films. We appreciate it. And yeah. I, it really taught me how to make a feature. Feature just is a longer short film. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you, once you know how to do it in a short film format, Making the jump. My next movie, after making a bunch of short films that were winning awards and festivals, was Mariachi. Mm. And I just repeated it three, the story like three times. I just had things happen three <laughs> times to stretch the movie out. <laughs> and Jon Stewart, his comedian, said, Are you a comedian? Because you followed the rule of threes. And I go, really? And he goes, Yeah, I like Mariachi. A guy lights this match on a guy's face, but on the third time, it's on his head. Or he jumps in the truck three times, and the third time it's the bad guy's truck. Mm-hmm. Or you know, and I was like, oh no, it's just because I used to making short films, and I just, I just repeated everything three times <laughs> to, to pad it out. You know, oh, that's the, trying to get that's that the, word count yeah. on your essay. Yeah, exactly. was like, oh, that yeah. made it very comedic that way. Oh, who knew? But short films teach you a lot. So, Love yeah. it. Yeah. Appreciate. It. And well, there are bite-sized ways to just get
2: experience. and Yeah, jump exactly. Trouble. Yeah. Good Fantastic. luck to you guys. Congratulations, Congratulations guys. So nice to meet you. you. Congrats. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank Congrats. Congrats. You. Thank you so much. Congrats. Good to meet Thanks for
3: you.
1: Appreciate
0: and we're back. That was such a cool interview and experience to actually meet a director that we've been watching the films of for many years since we were kids. Our older brothers would actually show us From Dusk Till Dawn, the four rooms anthology film that he made with Tarantino and a couple other directors. So we actually, we had been watching Rodriguez movies since we were little. And as we grew older, we began to understand what kind of a filmmaker he was, what kind of director he was. And like I said earlier, he's one of the greatest independent filmmakers of all time. And it was just like such a cool experience to finally meet him. And it was just a wonderful day. Especially that independent era that boomed in America in the late 80s, early 90s, between him and filmmakers like Linklater and Tarantino. Soderbergh. Coming up with just these great stories, but making movies on tight budgets that... You know, kind of just changed the studio system in a lot of ways. And with Rodriguez, like we said, no filmmaker, and like you said in the, in the interview, has the situation he has on planet Earth. He is so unique in terms of having his own. Own movie studio, (laughs) and this place is not like up for tours. You can't visit it. It's a very private situation. You have to get an invite. So we're very fortunate to be able to have gone to Troublemaker Studios and go to Austin and have this incredible experience because it was surreal. And you know, I I wasn't super nervous really leading up into the interview until like we were like in the waiting room. They make you wait for like two hours. We waited a while, and then there's just just the the build-up of like, all right, I can only take so many walks in this hallway (laughs) and drink so many bottles of water before I have to pee three times before the interview and then we finally got per- put into his massive hangar studio which is this enormous space an old playing hangar which is where they shot sin city completely on green screens back there as well as a lot of Alita in many of his films a lot of his spy kids films and everything he shoots is there basically unless it's location based and somewhere. it's not just the green screen since they have so much space in the hangar they build all of the interior sets in that hangar yeah and so we got to meet him the night before so saturday we got a screening Of Hypnotic, his latest film, which is coming out in theaters right now. It's hitting the theaters. Yesterday it got premiered Friday. This weekend, so definitely check it out if you love sci fi epics and you're a fan of Robert Rodriguez films like we are. And we got to watch the movie in his own little private movie theater, which was so cool. <laughs> and Like it was, they had like two hundred Blu rays just sitting on a, sh- a table. Yeah, and they had it a, they have a great projector and bl- in a three D projector too. It looked where, really good. Yeah, they said that's where they test out all their visual effects shots, and they do screenings in there. And if execs come to check out their their studios, they'll show them the rough cuts of their movies there. And we saw. Obviously, the green screen room, which is where we got to interview him, and we walked in, and it's Rebel Robert and Racer Rodriguez sitting in these three chairs, and like we're like, oh crap, this is really the moment that we're gonna get to interview Robert Rodriguez, which was super. That was your thought, oh crap, not oh crap, but it was like I was like, let's go. I was like, well, not oh crap, but it was just like (laughs) I've, I've, I've never talked to someone that famous for that long before my entire life. In person. We've never had really quite an in-person interview before with someone of that caliber. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who's made movies for decades and a great filmmaker and known around the entire world. Who has worked with some of your favorite actors and is also an a collaborator and probably best friend with Tarantino. Yeah, he brought up Tarantino <laughs> in our interview. Because <laughs> you asked him about Red, he's like, well, yeah. yeah, well, Quentin has a bunch of film stock that, really, that Red really pops and I, up. And I also referenced Desperado, the pissing on the bartender story, it's what Tarantino's character says in Desperado. Yeah, so it was really cool and uh, I thought it was so fun. I wasn't really nervous. Maybe, like, the first couple minutes I was just, like, a little jittery when we were talking to him, but then it just felt like a podcast, honestly. Yeah. And I know a lot of people probably like, why didn't you ask him about Spy Kids, Alita battle angel because i think you know we're, we were there to help him market his film hypnotic that's why we're there and we wanted yeah. to pay respect to that and really just focus on the questions of him and his career with his sons as well as the production of hypnotic and the movie hypnotic because that's why we got flown out there we didn't get flown out there to ask him all these questions which i'm sure a lot of the other interviewers did there were probably 10 other people there interviewing him and they separately. were they were a big fan there were a lot of big spy kids fans yeah and so I'm i sure mean they the did. spy kids is cool and the lead yeah. of battle angel is awesome and and so but we really wanted to just you know be respectful in terms of why they why we're there to interview him about hypnotic and ask questions about the film we're this we're part we are part of the press tour for the film essentially so we we felt that you know we could ask him about alita we could ask him about from dusk till dawn we can ask him about tarantino but like it's like we're they flew us out there they gave us this incredible tour the least we can do is really try our best to advertise this film for them and get people aware of the film existence and it was really fantastic because he was so easy to talk to. He was so chill and laid back. Like once we were actually shooting the shit before we started rolling. Yeah, like the we the five of us we were just crack we were cracking up. The before, tech team told yeah. us twice like we're ready. <laughs> we were all la- I can't remember what we were laughing about, but it was really funny. Um, I think we were talking about how his thing is a family business now, just like yeah, how we yeah. had a family business. I think I said, like, our dad made us carry drywall. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Something he's, like that. These kids have been carrying boom mics. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was a really cool guy, and he was very respectful, and, and, hap- and they were very generous with their time. And I really enjoyed the process. But also the tour of the studio was just magnificent because aside from the hangar, so it's basically this big piece of land that he owns, and it's all walled off. I'm sure we only still have a small yeah, portion of it. Portion of it. He, there's there are a few buildings. Uh, one building is contains that big hangar as well as like the main working operations, you could say, where they probably hold lots of meetings. They've also filmed plenty of things there for like they have so many rooms, like hallways and. It seems and like op- their yeah. day to day. Yeah, exactly. And then there are a couple of other buildings. We only we only went into one of the buildings, and this is where the production designer and costume designer uh, both work, and they develop ideas and concept art and then actually create pieces, whether it be um, things for costuming or for actual sets. And they took us on this really fantastic tour of all the costumes they've done in previous Rodriguez films and also looking at concept art from the previous films, as well as they took us on a tour of the actual workshops of Troublemaker Studio, where we saw the carpentry room, we saw where they make sets, build walls, doors, whatever you'd see for an interior set, as well as the prop room where they 3D print every single prop and it's just like i told you he was three it was unbelievable it It was unbelievable like they had like 20 3d printers and and so actually real real quick quick context we didn't take the tour until after the interview yes yes so we asked him questions about his production process and I brought up, are you three D printing? Because yeah. I, that was our guest, and I was assuming he was three D printing because we hadn't seen the tour yet. Yeah, FYI. Because I asked, yeah, because I asked him if he if they make their props here. He you, he was like, yeah. And then you were like, do you three D print them? He's like, oh yeah, we do everything. And I've never I've seen one 3D printer in my life, but there were literally twenty of them. I've been telling you for years that three, everyone's 3D printing stuff now. It's huge, especially like you 3D print a gun and it's a super lightweight, inefficient, safe yeah. firearm that looks real as hell on camera. And then part the, part of the warehouse is just like this huge, basically construction area where they it's just all woodwork and paint where they're actually cutting wood, putting walls together crafting furniture for all of their sets and it was just so cool to see where um because we've done tours at Warner Brothers at Universal and it has all the same stuff but for Rodriguez to have all of these components to film production on site in Austin in his property is honestly mind-boggling because I've you can only compare it to the Warner Brothers studio and the Universal studio it's like insane how it's like the same thing but it's his own Fucking thing. Well, the thing, the cool thing about this tour is we saw behind the scenes of that. When you take those Warner Brothers tours, you kind of walk past the prop departments and set departments, but you don't get to see like what it's like behind the scenes and how those things are actually made. Every I was day. looking through some of the bills they had, like uh, from orders, like order bills on the wall. Like I was like, this is so fascinating. They out, they make props and outsource their own props for other production companies around the world. So they make props, detailed three D props for all kinds of people, which is really cool and also i mean we saw some cool cars we saw the two cars from death proof we saw the yellow mustang as well as the cop the wha- car from sin city oh, the cop yeah. car yeah and then we saw what was it the white camaro mm-hmm. or is it a chevelle that um uh, what's her name i think the, it's a camaro that what, zoe zoe the, bell zoe Do- bell does the stunt on top of the roof the hood of which is so cool yeah the uh the cop car from sin city uh-huh and it, it was just really awesome and surreal we saw a little bit of behind the scenes of the production design of hypnotic which was cool for all you spy kids fans there was a ton of spy kids props and memorabilia and also most of the bathroom doors they had thumb people on the doors and i know uh, a lot of people kept asking us, "Are there thumbs?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the men's and women's rooms—it was a thumb human, yeah. a thumb person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really, really incredible experience, and I hope it's the first of many that we get to do. I, again, I feel so so fortunate to have been able to in, us get invited to this trip and and tour this incredibly unique movie studio and check out his movie a week before it comes out in his own private theater and and actually meet him and shake his hand and talk to him and his sons and how his sons are, you know, it's like a family business making movies now, which is so cool. And I, I have even more respect for Robert Rodriguez as a filmmaker, which I already had a ton, but to see his process behind the scenes of him being outside the studio system doing this yeah. on his own. It's so unique and rare, and no other filmmaker has this set up on the planet. Yeah, and also he was very encouraging when we told him that we made we just made a short film, and he was he, he seemed to really like that. You know, and he seemed really into it. He's a really cool guy. He's, he's a super cool guy. Yeah. And we really enjoyed talking with him, but I hope you enjoyed the interview, and we hope you enjoyed this quick breakdown recap of our trip down to Austin to Troublemaker Studios in Texas. Texas! We had a blast, and... Yeah, that's our, that wraps our, uh, our cool experience we had with Robert Rodriguez, the freaking our first legend. director interview. Legend! Yeah. Freaking awesome, dude. It's crazy. What a blast. So <laughs> We could have talked to him for hours. Yeah, so thank you to our, our reps who got us that, and also Troublemaker Studios and Robert Rodriguez. Congratulations on your film, and thanks for the invite. And, and Nixon showing us around, amazing tour. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was a really surreal and incredible experience. Thank you so much for tuning in. See y'all next time.